Okay, so last week we started talking about our perception of marriage, our perception of our marriage. And we went back to Genesis chapter number three and talked about how Satan had come in the garden and said, well, half God said. And in saying half God said, in part, he was really challenging Eve's concept of marriage. We've really been talking about what is God's pattern. We've really exhausted that. We've really been thorough. I feel like we've been real thorough about that. But now we move on to something where it's more personal and it has to do with your perception of your marriage, your perception of marriage. Now I want to ask you a question and this may take a minute to think about. Some of you may have an instant answer. I referenced this a little bit last week and I'm going to pass this on to you this week. When was the greatest time in your marriage? When was the greatest time in your marriage? Think about that. Think about that. Probably not good to talk back and forth in class because if you disagree, it's going to be ugly. So let's just internally, privately, we can, and you can compare answers later. When was the greatest time in your marriage? My wife and I compared notes. The good news was we both, this was a while back. Our answer right now is right now, but a, little, a while back, we had compared notes. The good news is we both agreed on the same time. The bad news is it was seven years prior. That is not good. Like, this is not a good exercise. Very discouraging. When was the greatest time in your marriage? Now, internally, answer this question. Why? What was making it so great? What was making it so great? Your perception, how you perceive your marriage and the parts of it directly affects how you participate and engage in your own marriage. Now, let me give you an example, an illustration of something that happens in marriages and where perspectives will change, okay? So you've got a young lady who has a certain body type because she's younger, we all did. You're not carrying as much body weight and all this other stuff. And then a few years into marriage, she has some kids and okay, body type has now changed, right? And so, the first thing is how a lady feels about herself, how she perceives herself. She's looking in the mirror and things have changed and stuff's sagging that wasn't before and there's stretch marks and there's all these different things that happen. And so let's just say she's not feeling overly attractive about her physical appearance because that's not what she's used to seeing, right? Spent like what, 20, I don't know the exact number, 20 years looking at yourself, feeling a certain way, and now that's all changed. That's, that's hard. That's hard for ladies to go through. So hubby comes around, right? He wants to snuggle, and she's not as excited about physical engagement. Well, why not? Because her perception of self has changed. Now, how does hubby feel? He's just as happy as day one, right? If not even more. That's really true. Now, there may be some guys out there like, you. I don't know them. You know, most men are very happy with their wives. If it's different for you, we'll work on that. But most guys, we're pretty, like I said, all men are toxic. We're pet us, feed us, we're happy. We're happy people. 
So now he can tell, right? Guys aren't overly intuitive necessarily, but he can kind of tell, okay, she's not engaging physically like she used to be. Something is wrong. He can sense something is wrong. So what do you think the guy starts thinking, right? Steve? Is it me? Yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. (laughs) Thanks for owning that. Is it me? And most guys conclude it is me, right? I'm a lousy lover. Guys are so hilarious. Because we build this concept of who we are based on nothing. But then that flips over into a negative, And now we're building the negatives on the same nothing we built the positives. Like, I'm the world's most amazing lover. I'm a huge loser. Nobody wants me. You know? Balance, gentlemen. Balance. And that's hypocrisy for me to say that, by the way. So now he's feeling like, I'm not this. I'm not that. My wife doesn't find me attractive anymore. And what's suffering? Their love life, their physical love life begins to suffer. Well, why is their love life suffering? Is it because they're broken? They don't love each other? It's none of those things. Is it that they don't care about physical things anymore? It's none of those things. But now listen, the power of perception has changed something in their marriage dramatically. And so hopefully as we talk about your perception, how you perceive the elements of your marriage, you'll realize how important that is, right? That's not a small thing. You can severely damage a marriage through the power of perception. If men feel like, or even women for that matter, if they feel like they are unattractive to their spouse, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you're so blind, you can never see anything wrong with your spouse, right? I'm not saying that. It's not like somehow you can't tell when your spouse has bad breath or this or that or whatever. I haven't taught, maybe in the future we will. I probably should teach a class on hygiene, but I think hygiene is more important than ever when you have a spouse. Somebody is in your space. And the other thing is that realizing that everyone has hygiene problems, right? Everybody faces different obstacles and they're, they should be overcome. Anyways, I'll get it out later. That's a different lesson. But just don't be the guy. Just don't be the guy who's like, oh, it is. Just don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't make your wife deal with that. He just doesn't care. He gave up. Um, so your perception of your marriage is important. So one of the things that shapes, now there's kind of these couple dimensions here, but one of the things that shapes our perception about our marriages is the past. It's the past, right? We do not remember everything about our marriages. What did you guys have for dinner last October? We don't remember those little things. But there have been certain events, good and bad, that structure our memories and build those memories, those combination of memories or even distinct individual ones begin to frame how we perceive about our marriage and how we answer the question, when was the greatest time in your marriage? And I could ask the opposite, which this is not, I'm not, I don't encourage dwelling on this, but when was the worst, when was the worst time of your marriage? You would inevitably point back to bad memories that have occurred. Sometimes these bad memories are shaped through grieving. Sometimes they're shaped through anger, 
bitterness, these types of things. Sometimes they're shaped through embarrassment, humiliation, these effects. Sometimes they're shaped through hurt, things that were said, things that were done, these types of things begin to frame these memories that we carry with us through marriage. And that's one thing I want to say to younger couples who are just starting down the marriage trail, be super cautious about the memories that you're building because it's those memories that create this framework of your perception of how you feel. Now it's not in its entirety. There's other things we use to frame our perception, but it's a big part. We also use memories to validate our opinion about our marriage and our spouse. How's your marriage doing? It's awesome. Why do you say that it's awesome? Immediately, you're going to start giving me memories. Well, just last week, my wife this and they that. You could say, oh, my marriage is awful. Why is it awful? My spouse doesn't this, doesn't that. Memories. Memories are the, one of the, I want to call it case law, right? You go into court and you say, this should not be allowed. Why not? Because in this case, in this case, in this case, all of these things, this was the precedent set. Therefore, today it should be this way. Well, we do something similar. We could say, oh, my spouse is neglectful in this area. Why do you say that? Because this happened, this happened, this happened. See what I'm saying? Memories are super important. And you need to know, you need to know as a person, how do I handle memories? Some people, and you can judge them for this, but this is how they're built. Some people naturally remember negative things. And that's a lot of people, but some people just naturally remember <coughs> negative things. Sometimes one of our roles, I guess, as spouses, one of the things we can really help our spouse with is remembering other things that were not just the negatives of a certain experience or moment. Sometimes we've had in times past my wife would say, oh, where'd all our money go? Man, we, were gonna, we had all these plans and now we don't have any money and what happened? I'll say, well, remember this happened and that happened and this happened and that's why we're where we were. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. It's okay. Kind of ease the burden by remembering these different things and kind of not, not contradicting your spouse you're always negative about this stuff. You never, okay, that's probably not going to be the help, right? If you realize, if you know, hey, I have a spouse who just, their brain seems to tend to draw to the negatives, then you be the spouse who carries in the pieces and says, okay, there was these other things and carry some positives because that's how we view, that's how we view marriage. That's how we look at these things. Now, also I would say this, memories affect different people differently. It's not one size fits all. What can be devastating to one person has less of an effect. And I'll use some personal illustrations for that. And I think I've mentioned this before. My parents, when I was 13 or 14 or something like that, maybe it was 12, they got a divorce. Now, as a kid, I remember thinking, my, this is going to be really different. But my parents had been fighting a lot up to that time. And I was actually kind of happy they were getting a divorce. I was like, man, I'm, because I didn't want them to fight. I love both my parents and I didn't want them to fight. I didn't want them to be miserable. And it made sense to me. I was okay with it. I know other young people, they felt like they had a happy childhood. And then one dark day, their parents got a divorce and it destroyed their life. And that is a scar, that is a wound that they have carried through their years. Same event just happened very different. People take things very differently. 
So please don't, and this is important, please don't minimize your spouse's feelings because they're taking something more negatively than you would take it. But also the flip side, don't be discouraged when you feel more excited about something than your spouse does. And there's been times where I'm like, man, I'm really excited about blah, blah, blah. This is great. My wife's like, she's not a downer because she's not as excited as I am. We just receive things differently. One of the, the great challenges that God has put into my life, which I'm open to, and I always thank him for everything, is my wife and I not being able to have children. We have no medical reason why we cannot have children. We didn't miss anything. And we've really prayed about what God's will is for us and where we're going. And we're still traveling down that path. But I'm not saying there isn't a load that comes with that, but... There is a, by the way, there's a load that comes with having kids too. Okay. So it's not just people who don't have kids. We've got people who've lost children. We've a lot. Everybody's got their burdens. So I don't want to get into like, I feel like one who has a cross. No, 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 no. Um, but I know some, through the years, I've known other families who have not been able to have children. I've had husbands tell me, my wife has talked about killing herself because she cannot have children. Now, praise God. That's not my road, my plight. Praise the Lord for that. But same event, people perceive it very differently. So you have to be very cautious as we kind of go through life with our spouse being open to, they may receive this very differently. This event may be shaping a very different memory for them. I think it's kind of obvious, maybe I'm wrong, but communication is so essential to all of these things. You need to know how your spouse is experiencing and perceiving these things. And that's why cautiously in a good space that you can talk about these things and say, hey, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Maybe even going back and looking at memories. So what were some highlights from our marriage? What were some of the trying times from our marriage? Why were they trying for you? What do you remember about them? Those things, if you're seeking to build and grow, those things can be very, very helpful. Now, the challenging thing about this is Though memories frame and kind of shape our perception in part of our marriages, we want to be really cautious about a couple of things. We want to be, number one, we want to be present. We want to live in the present. We want to be very conscious of the present. For the purpose of setting ourselves up for a better future. Okay? We want to look at the present with a mindfulness that I'm trying to set up the future for a greater success than we've had in the past. The danger is when you get some hurts, when you get some disappointments in the past, you can start to live in those. You carry that, that feeling into the present and it's gonna stifle moving forward in the future. And we really wanna be cautious about what role memories play in our perception. I've seen husbands go through, because I'm more connected to husbands, obviously, than I don't normally sit around and gab with the girls about everything, which I think to be healthy. Though I do know a lot about uh, things that ladies have gone through. But So you've got this thing of, you go through, I've seen men go through some trials, addictions and all kinds of different stuff. And... One of the dangers when you're going through a trial, ladies too, ladies go, they go through maybe a depression or these different things. And I don't say depression lightly. They go through these different things. And what will happen if you're not careful, this is what we start to do. We go, 
I'm in this state of being right now because of the things I've been through. And there's truth to that. That's not overreaching. I'm in the state that I am right now because of the things I've been through. And when I consider the future, I feel like it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be this way. And we don't, because of the past, we don't allow ourselves to believe in change in the future. It's going to be this way. It's never, they're going to be this way. I'm going to be this way. <sighs> and I know, listen, I didn't miss it. I know that I am not grossly obese, okay? Unless you feel that way, then come talk to me because I think that's funny. But I have yo-yoed with my weight for 12 years, I think something like that. If you're not careful, you're gonna get to the point where you go, it's just always gonna be like this, right? If you just give up working on your weight, what likely is gonna happen? I'm just gonna throw that out there. What likely is gonna happen? Not something good, by the way. Sometimes we give up because we're just tired of the struggle, trying to find balance, trying to find moderation in things. We give up, we get discouraged and we give up. If you give up on your weight, life doesn't become easier. It becomes insanely harder. And I'm not just talking about having to buy new clothes, but our health issues that occur, all of these complexities. You think trying to manage weight with diet and exercise and these other things, by the way, if it gets out of hand, seek medical help, seek professionals. We are so funny about this. I don't know what this is. If I told you, hey, I wanna get in shape. I've let myself go, I work in an office all day. I've let myself go. Please, thank you for not amening that. I appreciate that. <laughs> let myself go. So I've joined a gym, but I've hired a personal trainer. Now, if you said that, if somebody said that to you, wouldn't you feel like, man, that's awesome. You got a personal trainer, you got a schedule. I mean, you're really gonna, you know, and if I told you, not only did I get a personal trainer, but I hired a dietitian as well. You probably started thinking, man, you got a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I hired a dietitian, I've hired a chef to cook what the dietitian has, and I've got this team of people around me to help me. Wouldn't you be like, man, this person is super getting after it. They are super getting after it. We're having mental and emotional problems and you tell somebody, yeah, I'm having some issues. I've really let my thinking and my emotions go. And I'm, I've gone to uh, a Christian counselor. Why does that feel so negative to people? Oh, oh, I don't, oh. oh, wait a minute. I hire a trainer and a dietitian and I'm Mr. Universe, but I hire a therapist and I, you know, I'm, I'm a wacko or something. It's funny how we perceive things, but my point is, Seek the correct professional help in areas that you want to get better at. And I've mentioned the same thing to pastor. If, if I'm having a spiritual problem, you know what we encourage people to do? Go to a man of God. You know what a man of God is? A specialist in an area of spiritual things. That's exactly what they are. Others I know have not been able to have kids. They went to see a specialist. They prayed about it. Went to see a specialist, right? This is what we do in life. So if you're going through life and you're having bad memories and you're failing to have the success that you desire to have, Pray about it, seek God and ask God to open doors and be open to there may be a need for some specific, I keep saying professional, not that every person who has a degree is a professional. Oh, amen and amen. Because there are some complete morons who work out in these different fields. And I get that. But, but I would rather fight the battle of avoiding morons than just 
trying to solve all the problems in and of myself when clearly I'm not succeeding. And this is what happens. We go, well, I, the reason I'm not succeeding is because I'm a failure and I'm no good. And now we're using difficulties of the past to stifle our future. We've convinced ourselves and it'll happen to you. Husbands and wives will tell yourselves, it's so funny, all this stuff we get in our heads. One thing happens and we start going, this is how our marriage is now. It's how our marriage. It's not like it used to be, now it's all changed. And we lose this confidence that things can change, things can improve, things can get better. And realize that different, again, different people, I, looking at, it's important to know yourself, so I know self be true. And this will help you better understand your spouse too. I am, I hate telling on me, but I am the best illustration I know. I am the kind of person I am all or nothing. Struggle, one of my greatest struggles, and I think the Lord's really working with me in my life about this right now, is moderation. Moderation is not essential to everything, very essential to some things. I'll give a good example of that. Food. I get so frustrated with food because I'm either all or nothing, right? Fine, I'm sick of food. I'm not going to eat it. You don't get that choice. Let me give you another example. Money. Money's a great example. I'm sick of money. I'm sick of money. I'm just not going to have it anymore. Well, fine. I'm just going to have all money. Nope, can't do that either. Fine, I'll just eat all the food. Can't do that either. You have to learn moderation. Well, for somebody like me, that's very difficult. And that's something I have to have. So in life, when trials and tribulations start coming to my marriage, I'm all or nothing. So everything's either great. You ask me, hey, how's your marriage? Great. Or, oh my word, what are we going to do? I remember telling my wife one time, I was like, oh, I just feel like you've been dealing with this and dealing with that. She's like, honey, we literally, we've like been through this twice. You're making it sound like this is the span of our marriage. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have to know my feelings, my perception is always inclined to extremes. And I'll tell you this, it has been so liberating to figure that out about myself. And it's been really helpful for my wife because my wife doesn't attack me. She supports me. She says, okay, now remember, you're inclined to this kind of thinking. Isn't that nice? And what will happen, the kind of the focus of today is we need to be cautious because we stop trying to plan for the future. We start believing in the future. We stop believing that things can change. Things can get better. Things can be overcome because we're taking the memories of the past and saying, this is exactly how the future is going to go. Well, yes, if you don't change anything and you just live in the past, yes, the future will be that way. And we call that self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm a loser. I'm going to be a loser. I'm, everything I'm going to do is a loser. And that's how you approach things. You don't approach things with belief that things get better, things can overcome, things can grow. If you want, now listen to me, if you want a sensational love life, you can have one. You can have one. You can have a sensational love life. But it'll probably take some work. Definitely going to take some communication. Going to take uh, some growth and these things. That's the necessity. It's going to need to happen. But you can have that. Finances. You want to have better finances? You can have better finances in your marriage. Probably not tomorrow. Right? It's going to take time. It's going to take growth. It's going to take development. Well, the same is true So with our marriages. So point being, don't give up on the present because of the past. Don't give up on the present because of the past. When you get a defeated mindset in your marriage, you will stop trying 
you will stop trying. So John chapter 6 is actually a longer chapter compared to the other chapters in the book of John. And this multitude is following Jesus around, as obviously they always did. And as the multitude follows Jesus, he turns to him and says that basically you're following me for the food. He had performed the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And he said, you're not even following me for the works. You're not even following me for the miracles of healing people. You're here for the food. So we know Baptists were in the New Testament. So there's clearly our ancestry. They were looking for a potluck with Jesus. So then it's hilarious to me because if you read the passage, you're going to find that Jesus confronts the multitude that they're for their motivation. You're just here for the food. And then they start arguing with Jesus. And they're like, well, our fathers, because Jesus was trying to explain to them, I'm the Savior, right? I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of God. So they say, well, our fathers had manna in the wilderness. Like they keep working the points back to food over it. To me, it's hilarious. So finally, Jesus says, if you want to have part in me, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. He wasn't talking about cannibalism. He was talking about spiritual. He was using a spiritual typology of and his death, burial, and resurrection, his crucifixion, the atonement of the blood. So he says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, they couldn't receive it because they weren't thinking spiritual things and they weren't seeking spiritual things. They were seeking carnal things. And so the people say, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And they go, they leave, which is what Jesus had planned to do, by the way. So then Jesus turns to the disciples towards the end of the chapter, turns to the disciples and says, will you also go away? Meaning it didn't turn out the way you wanted. You didn't get what you wanted. It wasn't what you thought it was. So are you going to leave too? Because you're not getting what you want. Peter responds, love Peter, poor Peter. Probably one of the more relatable disciples, I think. Peter says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I love what Peter said. He poses the question, to whom shall we go? If we don't like what you have to say, if it hasn't worked out the way we've wanted it to work so far, then who else are we going to go to that's going to give us that? To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You are the solution. You are the answer. If your marriage is not the solution, if working at it, growing it, is not the solution, then who has the solution? And I'll tell you, our poor lost society, they do believe someone else has the solution. So they enter into all these kinds of relationships. They're jumping in and out of relationships. They're on all these websites, swipe left, swipe right, all this kind of stuff. And they're in all these things. Why? Trying to find where the answer is. But jumping in and out of marriage is not any kind of answer. It's not God's design. God is the answer. And so in our marriages, you go, well, this isn't working. So what's the plan? You're just going to give up? Is that the plan? That's no plan at all. So then the plan is, hey, like you said, thou hast the word of life. Moving forward, continuing to work on things is the answer, is the direction that God would have for us. And a part of that, as we get into these more things more, part of that is stopping and recognizing our own marriages. Some women, and men too, but some women are carrying hurts from the past that they are either willing or unable to let go. At some point, we got to deal with it. I don't travel the whole course of a marriage carrying a hurt, carrying a hate, carrying a sorrow. You know, now some carries, some sorrows we have to carry, but uh, you know, don't do that because it's going to poison your future. 
right? It's better to just stop and deal with things, even if it takes a couple years, than to just, well, we'll just survive this way. I don't know about you. I don't want to just survive in my marriage. I want to thrive in my marriage. But that's, that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work, but it's worth it. If you're not going to work on it, if we're not going to use the memories to shape the future, then what are we going to do? And let me, I got I got just a second. I'm going to sneak this in here. Focus on creating good memories for you and your family. You cannot, and if you read up on this subject, you will find that, that our society says you need to replace bad memories with good ones. That's not actually possible. You lost a child in childbirth or prior. You can't go to Disneyland and replace that memory with your trip to Disneyland. You don't have the power to do that. That ain't going to happen. Okay. But what we can do is focus on, with God's help, building good memories in life so that when we look back and we remember some of the hurts, we've got a massive counterbalance. Yeah, we've been through some stuff, but man, we've had some awesome stuff. And when we're not actively building good memories, believe it or not, we're making things worse because then the only thing we're gonna look back on is those few bad things. You know, if you only have two bad memories, but no good memories, you feel like your marriage is awful. But if you've had three dozen bad memories, but 800 good memories, you're like, yeah, there've been a few rest times, but life's been awesome. And so talk about that moving forward. We'll, we'll get into a little bit more of this coming up, uh, but man, what are we gonna do for good memories?